Hello and welcome to Take 411, a podcast powered by Another Chance to Bridge the Gap. This is a place where you can find latest news, information in relation to prison and anything happening in the community. Buckle in. everyone, this is... All right, go ahead, Deontay. I was just going to introduce you, but go ahead, Deontay. All good. How y'all doing? This is Deontay, also known as Big Sir, here on behalf of Another Chance Foundation. Uh, here today, we have Carlos and Miss Patricia. Uh, we're going to be talking about Ty, Tyrone Howard. Uh, he wrote a book called The Bluff City, a guy doing some time in the penitentiary or using that in a positive way. So we have his family here, his mother Patricia, his brother Carlos here to discuss that book with us. We also have Another Chance Foundation uh, founder, and that's Mr. Rwanda. So first, let's start out with the mom, Miss Patricia. How you doing? I'm blessed today. How are you? I'm doing well. Can't complain. Can't complain. And and I want to thank you. I want to thank you for taking this opportunity to put my son out there because he's going to be so worthy of all the help that you're offering. Awesome, awesome. We appreciate you being on the show today. Just tell us a little bit about you, your story, your upbringing, of how you raised these young men here. Well, it was difficult. I was a single mom uh, for Ty's first 12 years of his life, and it was difficult. And I was a... Saved mother at one time. At one time, now I was the party girl, and uh, the boy <laughs> as the party girl. But once I got saved, uh, our household got a little bit stricter. Uh, yeah. But I wouldn't change anything because I was trying to raise men as a single mother, which was very difficult. And ties uh, six years of life was with my mother. Because as I stated, I was I was the party girl. So my mom uh, imparted a lot into him at an early age. So by the time I got him, he was spoiled rotten. And so it was very difficult for him to deal with the disciplinary that I had in my home. But overall, uh, I taught all my boys to be men. And I tried to teach them to be able to care for themselves. But as I stated to Ty on a many occasions that I've spoken with them behind bars, is that we all make bad decisions and we all make bad mm-hmm. choices. But it's up to you what you make after that. And I think that he's doing such an awesome job uh, making himself into a new man. And I don't, I don't want to get emotional. That's but all right. I am so, I am so proud of him. And when I talk to him now, he sounds like a young man that has his head on correctly, and I am so proud of that. I mean, he's, a, I mean, he's apologized. He's trying to make amends for the things that he's done, and as a mother, that makes me so proud of him. Yes, All of my boys, I am proud of. Mm. And I did yeah, all that I could sure. to make them men, and they have made me so. Proud. Yes, ma'am. Hmm. 
being also raised by a single mother, I definitely want to give you your shout out. I know it ain't it ain't easy they had a, that they role. a single father. They had a, a stepfather later on in life, but yes, the relationship that I had with my boys, they they cling to mom. Yeah. And <laughs> I see that now in them with their children. Their children cling to them, but when I say I have strong young men. And my boys are my backbone. They take care of their mom. They make sure I have everything I need, even tied behind bars. The first thing he asked me when he called me, Mom, is it anything you need? I am I am so anxious to interject like like right now, but I don't want to stop moms from from speaking. because uh, I know the question was directed to her. Uh, but I have to honestly say in connection to what she just said, uh, my mother raised all of us uh, to understand more so now that you don't have to be a product of your environment, but you can always be a product of your decisions. And and in the environment that we grew up in, things could have been so much worse. Things could have been so much on a on a bad end. But my mother, being the resilient soldier that she was not, not in perfection at all, but just in being a lioness to, to, to her boys, she, 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 she used prayer and a sincere effort in what some may consider strict control, but it wasn't strict control. It was awareness of where we were, awareness of who was around us, and what we were in, and she gave us that protective cage, which at the time in youth we didn't understand was love. And yeah. and I can say even with my even with my brother in the situation that he's in, I am more so impressed to say that he's more of a teacher to me in the scenario that he's in now that I truly believe that he could ever be in because he's shown me that you could be locked up but not be in prison. Hmm. He is behind bars, but mentally he's so free now more than ever because wisdom and humility has now taken over where anger once sat, where anger once stood. And that's what I'm so proud about, that that through my mother's seed sowing, again, not in perfection, but in just great efforts and sincerity, I've learned one of the most important lessons, and that is you don't have to be a product. Again, you don't have to be a product of your environment, but you can always be a product of your decisions. So the things that you do doesn't necessarily – I mean, the things that you're in doesn't necessarily have to be what you do. And that's why I'm so proud of my brother because he doesn't know. I tell him all the time, but I, I can't make him understand that. You want to know what, bro? Where you are and what you're doing in combination to that is one of the greatest tools that you could ever have for me because you're still a teacher, a big brother. He's my oldest brother, so he's still a big brother to me. I don't look down to where he is because he could give in to his environment. He could give in to his surroundings, but he's choosing to create and make something different in the midst of it. Man, it's interesting. Man. My, my my oldest brother, my oldest brother is actually in federal penitentiary right now too. 
Uh, he's getting ready to come home next year, though. Uh, so I, I face the challenges of wanting to be like Big Bro, wanting to be in the game, like wanting to be how the street yeah. cred that he had. Um, so mm-hmm. did you face some of those challenges growing up as well? And how did you um, – were you a part of that? How did you stay from being a part of that? Like what was your journey being around him growing up? I could, I could say it in the idea of not wanting to sound funny when I say it, but it's just funny when you hear it. Uh, I never had the desire to join a gang. And, and, and let me clarify, uh, my, my brother didn't have the desire. Tyrone didn't have the desire to join a gang. I believe his search was just looking for a family. And I yeah. think that's the yeah. dilemma of a lot of young children that uh, uh, it was his search for a different kind of family. And and he went into that. I didn't have a desire, and here's the, the funny part, but serious part. I didn't have a desire because my mother had a strong left hook. And <laughs> I knew that if she heard me or heard a desire for me to want to get into a gang, I would have to meet that left hook. I can tell you a story real quick of actually walking home from school and the two guys came from outside of the homes that were lining the streets. And they, they literally came to me and said, you know, they spoke the, the gang out loud and they said, it's going to be a whole lot of X, Y, Z going on. So I didn't pay attention. So the guys ran up to me and my, my twin brother and they was like, Hey, you guys are going to join or y'all going to get your tails whooped. My literal word to them was, I put my book bag down, put my books down, say, y'all going to have to go and give it to me because don't neither you all got a left hook harder than my mama. So I'd rather take a book book whooping from y'all than take a book whooping from her. And if, and if my, if my oldest brother, uh, as, as, as open and transparent as he is, if he could attest to the story, I remember when my mother found out that he was in a game that day, <laughs> that that flag was his worst enemy because she beat the brakes off of him. <laughs> and it was, and it was, it was a lesson for me, not in what I already knew, but to literally see what would happen if she found out that was one of my greatest pushes of saying no to the gangs. Because my mother had an idea, and I say this because it worked out for me. It may sound brutal to somebody else, but my mother had an idea of, I'll take you out before these streets will. Mm-hmm. And and I thank her for that. I'm, I'm not going to get emotional, but I thank her for that. Because now I have two children that are grown that love me from their head to their feet, you know, and it was through those teachings that my son had went down that road and, and it was a, and it was so familiar to me because I went through the same thing that he said no to the game, that he turned away from the game for that same idea. So I did go through the same decisions and, 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 and questions and interests as my, as my brother did concerning the game. But my simple fear was, I just didn't want my mama's left hook to come out and, and tell me, no, I'd rather just say no myself and leave it at that. And, and that's what it was. Man, I, I got like, it, it. It's so funny how similar some of our stories are. You know, just I remember going and hanging out in the 
neighborhood that my brother used to hang out in because I was chasing that that street cred that mm-hmm. he had. And my mama found out about it. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was about <laughs> playing with me that day. Well, you going to you think you're going to be like this? You're right. It, 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 it didn't take a lot of butt with us to get me straight, but just seeing a few of them that my brother got and a few of them that I got, it was like everything else was a threat. I knew she'd do it. So it was like, yeah, I ain't even going to go down that road. I ain't even going to do that. So, yeah, and I think the catalyst <laughs> is that. I think the catalyst is that's because that's your your older brother. It's like you're like, wow. Well, if my older brother doing it, then I'm gonna yeah. do it. You know, but but it's like so again, that same idea works in place where how my mother raised us. You know, it it was such a powerful seed that she has sown in us to be individuals. You know, we had a brother mm-hmm. unity, but we had such an individual mindset to where it was like. You know, no matter what decision we made, it was almost like, think before you do. Like, I mean, you had to be coming up in the neighborhood that we came up in, which was Lamont Garden. You had to, you, you, you had to have that mindset of you either be, I have a saying that I say, and I hate to be long winded, but I have a saying that I say, it doesn't cost you anything to be wise, but it will cost you everything not to be. And you had to have that mindset in growing up in that neighborhood. If you do this, what's going to be the end game? And I always thought gangs and drugs and, and things like that, it was like there was no good to it. But more so than anything else, you can't come up and you can't come up in mama's house with none of that. And it's like I said, that day when she found that flag, it was like, I felt sorry for my brother, man. It was like, bro, put it down, you know. Mm-hmm. So even in the idea of where he is, I find it a blessing. It wasn't mm-hmm. for his right now good, but in the long run, it was for his greater good. Because I really mm-hmm. believe that we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now if it wasn't for him being behind bars. I really believe that the streets – would have like 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 on a on a real unnecessary term t- taken him out just for the case of how he was living. So yeah. I'm actually still feeling blessed even where he is, even though I want him here with me. I still mm-hmm. feel blessed where he is because and the decision that he's making where he is. So it's like say it all works out, you know, for the greater good. But man, I'm like you, man. The stories can go on and on and on, but. Mm-hmm. I'm just blessed. No, it, it's wild. It's just so much and to be I, thankful for. And yeah. I want to say something that will kind of help maybe a mother. Uh, mm-hmm. And because I let my mother raise Ty for a certain length of time, I had that guilt in me that I had not given him something that I had given the twins. And so I think yeah. I kind of let him yeah. get by with a few things that I wouldn't let the twins get by with. Because the twins had been with me all of their lives. And so they used to tell me sometimes, Mama, you let let Tyrone get away with everything. But it wasn't that I had that little guilt in me that he wasn't with me as long as they were. But let me tell you about that young man in school. Ty could miss school the whole school year and go in there and pass every test they offered. Every test. Every test. He is smart. Oh, my God. When he got ready to graduate, right before they locked him up, 
He was second in line for graduation out of 312 yeah. students. Yeah, he made me he sick with that. Always, Ooh, I can say that. <laughs> he was always smart, intelligent. But I want mothers to know, be hard on your young men, but do it in love. And don't feel guilty about what you do because when they get older, all three of my sons have told me, Mama, I didn't understand when I was younger. Even Ty. Ty tells me that every time I talk to him, he said, Mama, don't you feel guilty about nothing pertaining to me? He said, because you gave me the same thing you gave the twins, and I chose this mm-hmm. way. So don't you wear that on your sleeve. Don't you wear that on mm-hmm. your heart because I know you. And that if, and that hurts t- me. And from a child's perspective, I'm going to say the same thing, just piggybacking off what you just said, Ma. I'm going to say the same thing in reference to to the same idea, which is to the parents out there, understand that your child will never see things as you see it. It's we play chess, they play checkers. The boards are the same. They look familiar, but our strategies are different. As a, as I, I tell my mom every time, because she did ride that guilt for a long time. She let it hold her, and I would tell her all the time, I said, Ma, listen, you can do all that you know to do. Your child still is going to decide what they want to do. And and I want it just to, just to say from a child's perspective, just a simple idea of, hey, listen, your child will never understand and get what you're doing until they become who you are, and that's a parent. When they become who you are is when they'll completely understand what you're doing. Our children are going to disappoint us. I'm, I'm going to say it because I have grown children. Our children are going to disappoint us every chance. But we're not to have faith in them. We're to have faith in the seeds that we sow in them. And, and, and that's what has happened for my mom. And that's what I tell her, mom, just sit back. Your harvest time is coming. Your children are going to show you that those seeds that you've sown are going to come to harvest. And Tyrone is one of those greatest examples of what I'm talking about. He made the decisions as a youth, and they weren't wise decisions. I used to sit back and look like, bro, what are you doing? They used to call me the, they used to call me the weak one. Oh, you don't mm-hmm. never want to go nowhere. You don't never mm-hmm. want to do nothing. Why didn't you go to this party? Why don't you come here with us? But it was just something, I don't know, that was just cut and sown in me. A discernment almost to where I just didn't feel right about doing none of that. And Tyrone was always that one that did. He wanted to go here. But for him to, to turn around, is that someone talking to me or? No, really. I'm not sure what that noise is in the background. Um, please, please just make sure everybody's coming in a quiet space. We're going to go to commercial right now, though. Um, so I really appreciate all the, the info you guys are sharing. We're going to go back into it. I really want to talk about uh, the, the environment that was growing up in and how you think that affected him and how as a mother and, and, and a brother, how did you guys, how you had to stay away from those kind of things. Right now we're going to go to break. Uh, thank you guys for everything you said. Most definitely. Take 411 is powered by Another Chance to Bridge the Gap, which is an organization that has been around for almost a decade working to help bridge the gap between people in prison 
with family, friends, and people in the community. We need your help. There are so many different things going on in the world, and our goal is to continue to share information on a daily basis to make sure that people are aware and abreast of what's going on in the world so we can continue the mission and goal of bridging the gap between people in prison with family, friends, and people in the community. Please connect with us. Subscribe and make sure you have a membership because together we can change lives. Now, one thing I, I've been thinking of, just sitting here and listening to you all, like I said, it's a lot of connections really to my family. You know, uh, my brother was in and out of jail. He was 16. Like I said, he's, he's in federal prison now, um, just doing a lot of the same things. And, and you know, growing up, at first I was trying to be like him, and then it was like a period of resentment a little bit because I felt like he was abandoning the family. And then, you know, and then it was just pure love, just trying to support him and where he was at. And that's how it is today. But just trying to figure out, you know, how do you speak to the brothers, the mothers out there that are tired, um, that are strained from just supporting someone who's behind bars or tired of dealing with it? Like, how do you, you know, motivate them to continue on? Because those people behind bars need that motivation, need that love, need to know that someone cares. But like I said, man, my brother's been in that jail. He was 16, so it's a long time. And I can remember times when my mom was just like, I'm so tired, I'm so tired. So how, how do you motivate a brother or a sibling or a mother to continue to support their family member behind bars? Well, as a mother, there is, that's a non-negotiable. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't get tired because yeah. – of us are their only connection to the outside. And if you cut out their total connection to the outside, it will affect them. So we cannot give up. You cannot give up on your child. As long as breath is in your body and breath is in their body, you cannot give up. What would have happened if Jesus had a forgiven on us? What would have happened if he had to say, I'm just not going to be bothered with these heathen. They're just not going to do right. You have to pray, tell the Lord about it, and just be there for them. And when they're wrong, tell them they're wrong. When they're in right, encourage them to continue to do right. But you, there's, there's, the giving up is a non-negotiable. I, I would, I would, I, as a brother, I would, I would just simply interject and say that. The biggest thing that, that, that I see, and, and the best way that I can say it is, I just see a, a huge misunderstanding uh, between those that are inside and those that are outside. Uh, I yeah. think the idea of someone getting tired, someone getting uh, frustrated, someone getting fed up, I think that's a natural human thing. Uh, but I think the understanding of those, I'm going to speak in two phrases, those on the inside have to understand that even though that that they are behind bars and they have their jungles and journeys that they go through, we're on the outside going through our jungles and journeys too. And I think that a conversation that is not held much is the open, frank, transparent conversation of, hey, even though you're behind bars and you're going through, I'm out here and I'm going through. There are mm-hmm. some things that you're going through that's different than what I'm going through, but we're both going through. I think there's a lingering idea of 
you got it easy because you're on the outside. And then there's a lingering idea that I got it harder because I'm on the inside. But the truth is we're all going through some type of jungle. We're all going through some type of trial. We're all in some type of cage or some type of prison, whether it's metaphorically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever the case may be. And if I could say something to motivate those that find themselves fatigued or tired, whether it's motivationally or inspirationally, I would simply say uh, my mother said it best as far as on the mother's aspect, it's non-negotiable. You know, you, you, you're there. You have to be there. As a brother, I would say, as I told my, my own brother, Tyrone, before, hey, bro, you have to understand, you're not the only person that's going through right now. And that's one of the things we dealt with. You're not the only person that's going through. You're not the only person that's having trials and tribulations. We're out here having trials and tribulations too. But I would I would say to those people, you know, the whole idea is just to be the best support system that you can, to be the best uh, corner person that you can for this person in this fight that they're going through. But we have to be transparent in our communication and letting each other know that, hey, we're both in this together, not just on an emotional standpoint, but, bro, just like you're in that situation of being locked up and held down out here, too, we're being locked up in so many ways and held down in so many ways. I told my brother one time, you got a straight meal coming your way. May not be the best, but it's guaranteed. Out here, I got to work for it. Out here, I got to get out and grind. I got to make sure these lights stay on. I got kids to think about. I got such and such to think about. So uh, to those that are seeking that motivation, to, to those that are seeking that idea of, of, of inspiration, I think it comes from just simple understanding that, hey, we all are going through trials and jungles and tribulations. So that's how I look at it. I mean, if we just have a transparent conversation to those that are locked up and to those that are free, as families, friends, whatever, let's just have an open, transparent conversation that, hey, just because you're behind bars does not mean you're the only person that's being held in some type of way to where you can't be or do and not move freely. We are also out here, those that are free. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about um, the journey, um, you know, that some of his books talked about in and, and, and the environment that he raised in and the the environment that a lot of our young men and women are being raised in, that, and, and to be honest, that they really can't control at times just due to the economic status of maybe the family that they grew up in. So what do you say to a young man or a young woman that is growing up in the environment around the gangs, around the drugs, around all these negative things that can land them behind bars? Like how, how do we point them in the right direction? What mindset that they should they have in the situation that they're growing up in? How do they uh, – be positive in a negative environment. Hmm. Well, you want to go for that first, Ma? As a mother, uh, all three of my boys, uh, I taught them right and I taught them wrong. Before I got uh, married, I tried to put men in their lives that were positive role models. But I taught them about choices. All of the choices that you make, they're going to do one thing. They're, they're, they're going to man, manifest in what you chose to do. 
So be mindful of the choices you made. And what was our favorite scripture in the house, son? Whatsoever a man soweth, so shall he reap. And so that's what I taught them, that your choices. I don't care. Look, I was raised up in the lowest part of town. Mm-hmm. But I went to school. I got in the front. I did it because of my boys. I wanted to, them to see me go to school. I dropped out of school at 16 years old. But I now hold a master's degree. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see that. So it's not so much like my son said. It's not so much about the product or the environment that you're raised in. It's what you implement, what you put, what you put the time and the effort that you put into your children to teach them. You don't have to be where you are. There's always mm-hmm. room for growth. And I am 62 years old, sir, and I'm still growing. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. have to teach our children how to seek out the positive in a negative situation. Mm-hmm. And I always tell I my boys, and I tell them that now, son, your your choices, whatever you do, it's going to come back to your door and not. So make better mm-hmm. choices. I I, I want to say that, and this is to the, to, to the young and even those that are considered not young, I, I want to simply say that, yes, I did. We grew up in, 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 in a gang-infested, uh, drug-infested, uh, abuse infested. Uh, that's, that was just Lamont Garden. That was just how it was. But uh, I want to say to 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 the individual that may be listening, whether you're young or whether you're old individual, whatever situation you're in, I I, I want to give you this here to the young. Uh, I want you to know that where you are is not where you're gonna be. Uh, let your let your vision be bigger than the position that you're in. Um, uh, you can't, you can't allow, you can't allow what you see in front of you become your whole vision. See, there's a difference, and I'm talking to you directly. There's a difference between your vision and your eyesight. See, what you have in your eyesight is what you see in front of you, but your vision can be something that you can see in the future. And I want you to know it's just like anything else that you do. Once you continue at it, things will change. And that's one of the things that my mother has taught me, and I think that's one of the things that my brother Ty has actually saw in where he's in. His eyesight is what got him where he was, where he is. And his vision has had him where he is now, to where he's actually has this awesome book going on, has these awesome mindset and, and mindset has changed. And and I want for the, the, the young person that's listening to know that everything that you do is a building block. We don't have the luxury to sit back and say, I'm going to wait till I get older. We don't have the, the luxury to sit back and say, I'm going to wait till later. No, young man, young lady, everything that you do, do not let your eyesight affect your vision. Everything that you're going through is not what you're going to become. Everything that you're dealing with is not what you're going to stay in. Understand, everything is a building block. Start making moves now. Start making better decisions now because that's the only thing that you can become a product of is your decision. It's not going to be your environment. It's not going to be what you went through. Now, what you go through, 
are things that are going to affect your decision. But it's, it doesn't have to be your decision. And that's how, and that's how I look at it. That's how I simply look at it. Let's go in and, and, and take more of Todd's story. And I just want to know, like, you know, how did, how did it all start and transpire? Like, um, what was going on in the household? Like, did it, was it something that the fans kind of sucking him into it, or, or just his mindset was changed during that time? And, and kind of how did that journey go from from where he started at as a young age to where he's at now? Like when did when did that switch take place for him? Like like when do you guys know how Ty Ty's different now? Now, Ma, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna I'm 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 start mm-hmm. this one off right here if you don't mind. Okay. Babe. Uh, uh, I and and what I saw. Side by side with him, I saw the change. The actual change started, in my opinion. He was searching for a connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was a little bit of simple adolescence coming up in the mature and, and searching for maturity. And again, as I said, searching for that connection, searching for love. And then the streets have a have a sort of a, a pheromone that can almost pull you in in the idea of we got something greater for you. And what I saw happen was uh that was a that was a disconnection and again, not in perfection. Our household wasn't pe- perfect. But uh the relationship of my uh stepfather and my brother uh wasn't a a, a perfect connection. It wasn't a uh, there wasn't an understanding. There was a disconnect. Um, and I think a mixture of the streets, mixture of wanting to be that big guy, a mixture of wanting to find a place. And sometimes it's easier to find a place on the outside than the inside because on the outside, you don't have any expectations. You don't. They're not looking for anything from you. They're just taking what you give them. But on the inside, you have expectations. On the inside, there's things that you have to be held accountable for. And I think he sort of chose to lean more towards the outside because he can present himself as tough, and all he had to do was show anger. All he had to do was show toughness. All he had to show was, do was show a strong hand. And I think in his search for a deep connection, in his search for idea of family, whether it was positive or not, it was still family, an idea of someone looking uh, up to him as if he was big and bad. I think that all played a role, and I think he had a, a choice to make. I think he could have stayed under the realm of, I won't say right, because like I said, only God is right, you know, but the idea of righteous, he could have stayed under that idea, but I think the idea of being the man, the idea of being in the streets, and the idea of saying, I got a family, whether they were real or not, I believe that caught his attention more, and it was less for him as far as expectations. The streets don't, the streets don't want nothing from you. They just want to take from you. They just want to steal from you. But it's easier because all you have to do is just pour out whether it's real or not. Uh, our home... When you came into our home, oh, that was expectations. Oh, you had to do right. Oh, you had to act right. 
or you have to do what you're supposed to do. You had chores. You had all that. But when you go out there in the streets, all you had to do was put on their front. All you had to do was act tough, be tough, do stupid, and that was enough for them. So if you actually look at it in a wiser mindset, it was easier for him to go to the streets than it was for him to come into the house. And I think that's where the transition happened for him. He just made that choice to go the easier route, and it was easier for him to just show out in the streets than it was for him to come in and do what he needed to do in the house. And I don't, I don't hold him at blame for that, and neither does my mother or my brother. It's just as we are now wiser, you know, we wish we could have done things differently. But I believe in my heart the transition was just simply searching for a connection, searching for an idea of family, and I think the streets was just an easier route for them. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Patricia, did you want to speak to that at all? Were you talking to Miss Coleman? Yes. Uh, well, Carlos kind of summed it up. Uh, but I do know that the, a lot of his issues started after I got married. And that day, i never forget it, uh, Tyrone gave me away. And so as we were in the back room getting ready to walk out, one of his questions to me was, Mom, am I not the man of the house anymore? Will I not be the man of the house anymore? And mm-hmm. I said, well, no, son. I said, well, no, son. And when he started to get in trouble, those were the things he would tell me. Well, Mom, I'm not the man of the house anymore. You don't need. So I think that was like my son said, there was a need. And he's always been that way. Even when he was a child, uh, he's always uh, made his brothers walk sooner than they wanted to because he would drag them across the floor. He always had that need to be needed. And that mm-hmm. day he told me, he said, Mama, I'm no longer the man of the house. So you don't need me. I said, son, I will always need you because you have to understand that there's a different relationship between a husband and a wife and a mother and a son. And once you learn the difference, you'll know that you'll always be needed. So I concur with everything that my son said, that he felt a need to be needed, and there were Mm -hmm. no stipulations on him once he got out amongst his friends. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why do you think these, um, I guess you know, a lot older guys, young girls, um, why do they seek family um, or find family, I guess, in the gangs or the groups? Um, I think I found, ended up finding family or some type of a family within my group or even within my football team, but my, my brother didn't have that, that kind of sports role or opportunity to find it there, so he did you know, running to the games and stuff like that. But but those those he was closer to a lot of those guys than he was some of us at times. So um I can see that family aspect. Why why do you think they, they search for it in the streets? It's uh, as I stated before, I just really, really believe in my heart of hearts and this is for uh the the, the, the younger individuals that may be listening, it's it's a simple decision to make because it's a Polaroid lifestyle. You can literally just show them what you want to show them and they only ingest it. I mean, when you, when you're in the streets, 
and you and you make a choice to go into the streets, it's simply because the streets aren't holding you accountable for leadership. They're not holding you accountable for doing better. They're simply going, if you give them laziness, oh, I'm cool with that too. If you give them unwise decisions, are oh, we cool with that too? So when you look at that, you look at that as, watch this, acceptance. So mm-hmm. while you're sitting here doing all this craziness, no one's holding you accountable to a degree of being better. So you got a choice to make. You want to know what? If I go here, oh, they want me to do my chores. They want me to, to do my homework. They want me to make good grades. They want me to do this and do that. But then when I'm over here with, and excuse me for anybody whose name is this, if I'm over here with Lil Daryl and Lil Kiki and them, guess what? All they want me to do is be me. And so you, you make a simple decision. You want to know what? When I'm over here, they accept me for me, and that's not true. They just accept them whatever you're doing, and they don't have any ideas or big plans for you. All they're doing is just eating. It's basically scavengers on you and your life and just taking whatever you give them. So the, the younger children that are coming up, they find that acceptance as a reward. So it's easy for them just to fold and go, well, you want to know what? Parents, y'all judging me. The streets mm. don't judge me. Well, I'm here to tell you that's a lie. The streets, mm. it's not the fact that the streets don't judge you. The streets don't want nothing from you but your death. Mm. They're not looking to give life to you. They're just looking to give death. They're looking to, it's a sucking. They're looking to suck everything from you. And because they're willing to accept it openly, the younger generation, because they don't have wisdom, they look at that as acceptance, and they look at it as, a, as, as family, because that's all they're looking for is that acceptance. But it's not real. It's an illusion. And that's, and that's how I look at it. And, and when, when, when they're young, it's also, I want to stick a word in there, it's peer pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get into these mm-hmm. environments where these gangs and, and, and people are, are rampant, and all their friends are in there and their cousins and family member doing mm-hmm. it, that's pressure on their mm-hmm. mindset. And then they look mm-hmm. at what they, their friends riding in this nice car and, and 16 mm-hmm. got his own place. And so he yeah. said, I'm still living home with my mama. And then mm-hmm. I got the, I got the demerit system on the wall. You remember the demerit system, Carlos? Uh, oh, yes, system. I do. Oh, and then I got all these chores to do. So what's going to uh-huh. look more glamorous to him? Mm-hmm. Being out there mm-hmm. in his own place, with his own car, making his own money that's illegal. Mm-hmm. And so it's pressure. Yeah. Not having yeah. what they want in their homes, and they go out there to try to get it. And it's mm-hmm. nothing that the parents, because I'm telling you, I worked two jobs and went to school. So I was doing all I knew to do, but it was the peer pressure right. and mm. how they made it look so good. Yeah. That's why it's important to know it's not what you got. Now, and I think in my mother's teaching, that's what she did her best to teach us, is that it's not what a person has that make that person rich. No, no, no. Yes. It's how they got it and what they have inside yes. of themselves. Because yes. you can get all of that. But in the end, if you got all of that and on the inside you're messed up, you're broke still. You can you can have all of that, 
and, and, and but how you got it and, and, and what did you sacrifice to get it? That's the value. That's the valuable thing. And so I, I, I think the word that mom, I, I, I know the word you look impressionable is the yeah. word and come and then coming up. That's what I, I, like you said, the peer pressure and all of that being impressionable and all of that, that played a, mm-hmm. a huge peer pressure thing. But again, it was just something about what my mother instilled in me that I was literally like, yeah, I see that, but uh, I'm awake. You know, it was like, I get it. I see what he got, but look at how he's looking over his back 24-7. Look at how he's having to watch his surroundings all day, every day. So, again, when we're talking about how impressionable and how pressure, I saw those guys with the cars and this and that and, and that were in the gangs that had all this stuff. But one of the things I saw was they were pretty much prisons that were cloaked with beautiful materialism. That's all it was. You had all the nice cars and the nice this and that. But you were in prison. You were trapped. You couldn't enjoy it. That's why I know it took me longer, but I have to say to the younger generation, treat your life like a home-cooked meal, not like a fast-food restaurant. Give it a chance to marinate. Give it a chance to grow. Give it a chance to simmer. Give it a chance to be so when you get it, it can be kept and and it's held together real. And that's what it was, like I said, my mom say per pressure. That's what it was for me. But she taught me, Carlos, everything gotten easily is not good. Everything that's gold, that glitters, ain't gold. Right. And so, and that's to the streets. I'm just telling the streets off the top. I have no respect for you. I have no respect for the streets. I have no respect. I have no joy for you. You have no glamour in my eyes. What I have respect for is you want to know what? Peace. Yeah. The, the, the understanding that wealth is far more than what you possess. It's yeah. what you hold on the inside. My mother taught me and my brother that there's a difference between the rich and the wealthy. Okay? They, yeah. they, she, I, was, I was once taught, and simply this, I was once taught this here in, in, in her seesawing, that a rich, a man with money can always be duplicated, okay? But a wealthy man, oh, no, no, a man with money can't duplicate a wealthy man. I can buy cars all day long. I can buy jewelry all day long. And I can be a broke man. But when you're wealthy, that means that there's a wealth, there's there's a value about you that is so deep that there's a difference between the rich and the enriched. And my mother taught me that Carlos, Calvin, Tyrone, you're enriched. You're more than rich. You're enriched. There's something deeper about you. And that's what it was for me. And that's what it was for, for us. It was like we understood that. It was like no matter what decisions were made, we still understood that. I believe that's why we're having this conversation today even in the midst of my brother being locked up because of this understanding. My brother knew in that jungle right there where he sat that you want to know what? I know where I am. 
but there's something better in me. There's something bigger in me, and that's what that enriched is. And so I'm just, ah, I can go all day, man. It's just. Ah. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. I appreciate all the support you guys are bringing to the youth, uh, for sure. And just on behalf of Tyrone, because we got to start wrapping up here soon. Like, who is his, sir? Before you wrap up, this is Mark. I got to share with you the story of when Tyrone first uh, wrote his book. It's not going to take five minutes. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I was doing then. He was looking for someone to type the book up on so that he could (laughs) give it to somebody. (laughs) So he said it to his mom because he know I'm going to type it. So when I got the book, (laughs) I typed it. But I rewrote it. Every every urban word he used in it, I changed it to a biblical word. Everybody's name in there that didn't sound sweet, I changed it. Every concept he had, I changed it. And I sent it back to him. He said, Mom, you done rewrote my whole book. And I told him yesterday, I said, I'm going to share that. How I rewrote your whole book. He said, "No, Mom, I don't need you doing it for me no more. You don't do no more typing. You you've been fired." <laughs> and that wasn't that wasn't a that wasn't a surprise to us because this is from the same young lady who it took me until I got older to know what simple food tastes like because she would put annoying oil in everything we ate. I mean, I, ch- Cheerios. I didn't even understand what Cheerios and spaghetti taste like because she would put annoying oil. In everything and on everything. So when I heard that oh, story, man. it just it cracked me up. <laughs> it cracked me up. <laughs> so who 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 was he directing this book to? Um, if he was on here talking right now, what what would his words be to to the young, to the old, to those locked up, to those free? Like what would his words be about his book? Why should you read it? Why should you buy it? I I I would say it, it's the book was written, uh, of course to tell his story, but I think more than anything else, I, I think it's a, I I like to say it's a literal familiarity. I think the book was written to identify because I think the best way to speak truth sometimes is to make it familiar, and I think his book is so familiar and so close to the ears and drums of the streets and. And not only just the words that are written, but to know where the Arthur himself, my brother, came from, and to hear mm-hmm. his story, I think the word is relevant. I think it's mm-hmm. a book of complete relevance, and that, and what I love about it is that it brings no more excuse to the idea of the youth that nobody knows your story. I think this mm-hmm. book literally tells the story that's so familiar and so relevant that in the end, when you just look at the author himself and see what he did and what he created, that you don't have the excuse anymore of because where I grew up, because of what street you was on, because of what gang you were in, or because of what you dealt with is the reason why you are who you are. No, there's no more excuse. I think this book is the most prolific and relevant story that could be told, but also the greatest Kickback uh, uh, or, or fight back to the idea that you have an excuse. That's what I love about it. 
But what I love about it is that it helps the parent because he talks about what he what he went through as a child and everything, and it mm-hmm. helps the parent to understand that you can do all that you know to do that you feel is right, but your child can get straight away. But don't give up the ship because mm-hmm. help is always on the way. Yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. And how, how is he doing? Any update on him uh, from you all? I talked with him Saturday, and um, he's uh, had someone helping him with his case because before the COVID-19 took over, uh, he was in the process of trying to get his release. Uh, but he just he's doing a lot of mentorship with the young men that are locked up with him that are just coming in. He does a lot of mentoring with them. And uh, he's had quite a few classes because at one time he had a lot of anger. But when I talk to him now, I can hear the love in his heart because he's reaching out to help other young men. And um, But he said his goal is to just come home to be able to see his mother and his brothers and his family mm-hmm. and just to get back on even kill because he says that, Mama, one thing I want to do is to let you know that I, I'm worthy. I said, you don't have to do anything to let me know you're worthy. I, I knew from the day you were born that you were worthy. Mm-hmm. All my sons are worthy. No matter what trouble they get in or how they may disappoint, but they can never disappoint me as a mother. They're my sons. I'm proud of them. But I want them all to make better choices. And I say that to all the mothers. You can do all you know to do is right. But they will still fall. But just be there to help them get up. Mm -hmm. Uh, The name of that book is The Bluff City. I'm the author. And I don't want to butcher it. It's Lafayette Howard. Lafayette. Lafayette Howard. Lafayette Howard, Tyrone Howard, guys, please go out, purchase that book. We want to pass it back over to to Wanda. We want to close the show out. I just want to thank you guys for being on the show and pouring so much inspiration and knowledge out to these listeners. Thank you. And thank you, sir. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Are we finished, Carlos? Hello. I think he's turning it back over to the young lady. Boy, I'm so proud of you. What you mean, Ma? You you were on point. You were saying oh. something, Mama. Was Thank you for tuning in and listening to Take 411. To stay connected with us, please subscribe in the link below to our website, add your email address, and get all types of updates and information about what happens in the world every single day. Until the next time, remember, together we can.